Well, what a joy it is for us to gather together, both at First Norfolk on Kempsville and First Norfolk on Volvo. We want to welcome those at First Norfolk on Volvo right now, our other location. Let's welcome them. What a joy it is. Thank you for being here. Uh, and as we uh, prepare for Christmas, we're starting a new series today called Prayers of Christmas. And as we look at these prayers of Christmas, we're looking at uh, ancient prayers that are present and will be future. Prayers uh, of people, not only people in the church, but people throughout uh, our history, uh, outside the church, regardless any confession or creed or religious background or cultural setting, these are prayers that people pray. And these are the prayers that are answered at Christmas. As we look at these prayers... Uh, I want to encourage you, uh, first of all, to pray. Uh, We as a church, we pray for one minute, for one thing, at one o'clock every day. And every week we have something that we talk about. This is the one thing we're going to pray for at one o'clock, starting today, and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And the one thing I want to encourage you to pray for is Christmas at first, Uh, December 7th, 8th, and 9th. Christmas at first is a wonderful opportunity for us to invite our neighbors and our friends, to to invite our co-workers, uh, those around us, those who uh, are uh, religious or maybe not so much religious, but it gives an opportunity for us to invite them to join us uh, where they can uh, be inspired and encouraged by good music and, and songs of the season but more importantly, where they can hear the good news of Jesus Christ, and perhaps their life will be changed. So I want to encourage you at uh, 1 o'clock, starting today all the way to Saturday, let's pray for Christmas at first, that those who come uh, will be inspired, uh, encouraged, uh, that God would use us to invite uh, others to come. And that will be a great opportunity for us to see what God can do through a simple invitation, maybe even change a life. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 130. And while you're turning there, let me just kind of give you an, uh, uh, a summary or an introduction uh, to what these prayers of Christmas are about. You see, uh, since uh, the uh, uh, unveiling of time itself, and since the undoing of humanity at the Garden of Eden, humanity has been in need of help. In fact, there is within uh, every human heart a yearning for help. And because there is a deep and profound disconnect within the human heart, Uh, And because of circumstances that we face, every person, ancient, present, and future, struggles with stuff. And in the struggle, there is a need for help or a need for rescue. Ancient philosophers talked about uh, this cry or this prayer Uh, that uh, erupted from a heart and a life in despair. Uh, Plato, in his Republic, uh, described humanity like this. He said, he used an allegory, and he said that that human beings, humanity, 
uh, are like people who are stuck in the deepest recesses of a cave. And they are stuck in the damp darkness without any light, and there is no ray of goodness that can reach them. The dreariness and the depressing description that Plato used was, we're stuck in a deep, dark cave, and we have no light, and we have no hope, unless someone brings this form of good or goodness into our existence. Uh, if, if there is no one to help us get that sunri- sunlight of goodness, then we're stuck in the despair of life. It wasn't just Plato uh, that talked about this, but Aristotle and, and, and uh, Heraclitus and others. Um, in fact, philosophy was was one avenue that people used to try to make sense out of a broken life and a broken world and, and, and a broken self. They, they tried to find ways to, to alleviate the struggle and the pain and the agony that they felt in the deepest recesses of a cave stuck in the darkness. Now that, that profound sense of despair didn't stop with modern civilization. It, it continued. Uh, in certain times and places, uh, following the Enlightenment and, and in, in inventions and, and tech, technology, all of these things came on the scene, but the misery didn't stop. And the cry for help, the, the need for rescue remained. And And we hear it in philosophers like Thomas Hobbes, who described life this way. He said, the life of man is solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short. George Orwell, who wrote Animal Farm, many of you have read Animal Farm, uh, he put these words on the lips of one of his book's characters. said, let's face it. Our lives are miserable, laborious, and short. We hear it even in the sounds of this season. Grandma got run over by a reindeer. That's somebody that needs some help. Throughout human history, the ancient cry has been, Somebody rescue me. We hear it in the ballads and the songs and the poetry, even today. You you hear it in the lyrics of the song um, made famous by Aretha Franklin, but but sung originally by, by Florence Bass. Rescue me. You hear it in the Beatles, Eleanor Rigby. Where did all the lonely people go? You hear it in more classical music. Merle Haggard. (laughs) He wrote a Christmas song. The title of the song is, If We Make It Through December. Some of you want me to sing it. Most of you don't. I won't. 
I won't sing it. But let me just recite a couple of lyrics here. Merle sings. By the way, this is his Christmas song. If we make it through December, everything's going to be all right, I know. It's the coldest time of winter, and I shiver when I see the falling snow. If we make it through December, got plans to be in warmer uh, in a warmer town come summertime, maybe even California. If we make it through December, we'll be fine. That's depressing. But there's another one. Chorus number two. Got laid off down at the factory. And their timing's not the greatest in the world. Heaven knows I've been working hard, wanted Christmas to be right for daddy's girl. I don't mean to hate December. It's meant to be the happy time of year. And my little girl don't understand why daddy can't afford Christmas this year. A depressing song, no doubt. One that describes this this need for rescue. Here's a a dad wanting to provide Christmas for his little girl. He just got laid off. Everything's dreary and dark. The landscape, uh, the colors of the landscape are the are the doldrum colors and hues of grays and 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 uh, silver, but no bright light. Everything is doom, despair, and agony on me. And that is a picture of every human being, all of us. The reason Merle Haggard's song, If We Make It Through December, was such a hit and remains a memorable hit even today is because it, it, it strikes at the very heart of who we are. We understand uh, the, the grief and the hurt and the agony when we're in despair and distress. And the answer to that distress is a prayer for rescue. This is, this is what we hear uh, the psalmist doing, uh, it, lifting up his voice in a prayer, needing rescue. In Psalm 130, our text today, we hear a psalmist, and it's called a lament. This psalm, Psalm 130, is called an individual lament, what we call today a country psalm. It's an individual lament. It's, it's, it's one person lifting up their heart, filled with trouble, filled with despair, filled with, with uh, the, the grief and the sorrow of life, and, and calling upon God to rescue. And, that, and that's what we find in Psalm 130, this prayer for rescue. And Psalm 130 is one of the... Uh, important psalms used in the history of the church. In, in, in the ancient church, this psalm was used to, to help followers of Jesus look to God and find hope and find rescue. As we look at this passage today, I hope that you and I will begin to understand a little bit more about what a prayer for rescue looks like and how that we can find the rescue that God provides. So, as we look at this this, uh, prayer for rescue, let's read it. Psalm 130, beginning verse 1. 
Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. He, out of the depths. It's a picture of a pit. It's a picture of a deep, dark cave where there is no light entering in. It's a picture of life without hope. It's a, it's a picture of life stuck in darkness and distance and despair. Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, uh, Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is abundant rescue. And he shall rescue Israel from all his iniquities. As we look at this prayer for rescue, the the, the first thing I want us to see is in this prayer for rescue, uh, we acknowledge we need help. We acknowledge that that we're in trouble. We acknowledge that we're in agony. We acknowledge that we're in the pit. The psalmist begins saying, hey, listen, oh God, I'm crying out to you because I'm stuck and I can't get myself out. Now, this speaks to me so powerfully because I'm the guy who doesn't like to ask for help. And pride rises up in my heart. I, I know that I, I'm, I'm, I'm in a pit or I know that I'm, I'm in a, a hole that I can't get out of. And, and, and so I, I want to try to keep digging my way out and I only get deeper in the hole. I keep trying to find my way out and climb my way out, but I don't ask for help. And pride, and this is just me trying to get from point A to point B and not having directions. I, I, I don't like to ask for directions. I don't like to ask for help. But as I've gotten older, I realize that I need help. There are people in my life, like my wife Edie, and now as my daughters are growing and older, they, they begin to see and understand a little bit more about me. My dad, my brothers, some men that I meet with, these are folks that surround me, and, and they understand my nature, that I don't like to ask for help, so they, they broach the subject with me. How you doing? It's a simple question, but really, it's more profound than they might know. How are you doing? It, it's an opportunity for me to go ahead and begin my prayer for rescue. I need help. The psalmist turns to the Lord, and we must turn to the Lord and say, God, I'm stuck, and I can't get myself out. Here's my problem. And by the way, you might want to name that pit in which you find yourself. I mean, right now, put a name to it. Now, what is it that, that causes you, you know, your sleepless nights, that, that, that catches you and, and, and whirls you up in a, in a wind of chaos and misery? What is it that creates agony in your soul? What, what is it? Is it a relationship? Is it, is it a finance? Is it, is it a job? Is it, is it loneliness? What, what is it in your life? What is the name of your pit? Write it down. Put a name to it. The psalmist identified that he needed help. He said, Lord, listen to the voice of my supplication. Supplication, a Hebrew term that means I need help. A prayer for rescue. In that prayer for rescue, we acknowledge that we need help. In that prayer for rescue, we acknowledge God's heart of love for us. Now, I want you to lean into verses 3 and 4. I said, Lord, if you should mark iniquity, O Lord, who then could stand? 
It's a great question. It's a true question. What the psalmist is saying is, Lord, if I came to you based upon my goodness, I don't have any footing in front of you. I I can't come to you based upon my perfection because I'm not perfect. I can't come to you and expect you to act based upon uh, my goodness. Lord, if if you should mark iniquity, who could stand? There's none of us who could stand. Our sin has created this vortex of misery and despair. We'll touch on that in a second. But but that, that sin has disqualified us from, from being worthy of God's help. You realize that, that God is not obligated to help anybody who has sinned. That's, that's not his obligation. But it is his heart of love. Lord, if anyone should mark iniquity, who then could stand? Look at verse 4. But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. Here's beauty for us. It is God's heart of love that that we call upon for help when we're stuck in the hole. When we are in in the pit of, uh, of darkness and distance and despair, we can count on God to help because that's who God is. There is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. Down in verse seven and eight, the psalmist says that, that there is abundant rescue with God. Verse 8, he will redeem, he will re- rescue Israel, even in their iniquity. Do you realize that's who God is? God, in his love, desires to rescue those, even those who, who have rejected him, even those who are far from him. God's heart of love longs to rescue. That's who He is. So when we begin this prayer for rescue, we we pray acknowledging our need. God, I'm in a pit. I'm in a hole. I need help. But not only do we acknowledge our need, we, 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 we call upon and confess that God has a heart of love, even for me, a sinner. Not because I deserve it, not because I've earned it, not because anybody here is worthy of God's rescue, but because that's what his love calls him to do. It's not based upon my goodness that I expect rescue or I look for rescue from God's hand. It's because of his goodness. God provides forgiveness. With him there is Abundant mercy, steadfast love. His love pushes him to see us in our pit and offer rescue. In this prayer of rescue, we acknowledge that we need help. We we confess that God's love is what what I'm counting on to rescue me. And then uh, in in this prayer, prayer for rescue, we wait for the Lord. Now, this is the hard part, right? We don't like waiting. Um, 23 days till Christmas, by the way. We don't like waiting. In my house, if you don't hide Christmas gifts really well, Christmas gifts we give to each other, there are people in my home that make it their business to root out any Christmas gift that they can find. I'm not naming names. I'm not naming names. Don't like to wait. None of us like to wait. We're a fast food culture and a fast food society and fast food kind of life. And we like things to happen when they're going to happen. But, 
uh, and, and happen quickly. But, but, but listen to the psalmist in verse 5. He says, uh, he says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love and abundant rescue. He says, we got to wait. And that waiting is not some passive thing that we do, but rather it is an, an open declaration of absolute trust that I can count on God to rescue me just as certain as the sun is going to rise tomorrow. And I'm going to sit and I'm going to watch the horizon and I'm going to wait for the sun to shine. That sun is coming. This is the bright light that God shines at Christmas. You see, the waiting of the psalmist is answered in the cry of Jesus as a babe in Bethlehem. The cry out of the depths is matched with a cry of God himself as a baby born in a manger to Mary and Joseph. Christmas is God's answer to our prayer for rescue. Christmas is. I, I, I've talked about uh, Hallmark movies. You'll hear me talk about them more. I love Hallmark movies. I've said that. I acknowledge that they are one movie or one plot uh, with uh, just five characters uh, that are spread throughout a hundred different movies. Um, so it's one plot, a hundred movies, five characters, and they all, and, and, and many of them, uh, the love interests on one can also be the love interests on others. The names have changed to protect the innocent. And, and this, is, this is great. And the reason I love Hallmark movies is because they talk about the Christmas miracle. And, and they have titles like Evergreen. You know, I, I, I just, I, oh, doesn't it just, I mean, it's just soothing. It's bubblegum entertainment. It's, it's, it's easy, and it's, it's got a good outcome. They, they always get together in the end. The plot is really simple. It's, it's like this. A person, usually a, a lady, uh, is uh, struggling with her job, and she uh, goes to the country because she has a relative that is there or who has left her a house or a piece of property or she wants to see or for a funeral or uh, maybe just to get away or she has a breakdown in her car, but she gets to the country. Once she gets to the country, she encounters another person, and that other person is the, is the hero of the story. And, and most of the time, many times, it's a guy, but ladies, you don't need a guy to rescue you. I'll get to that in a second. But anyway... Did I get an amen? Okay. And so so it, usually it's a guy. And so this lady is, is looking for rescue. This guy comes along. This, guy's us, this lady's usually a strong woman, and that's great. We love strong women. And, and this guy's usually a strong man, and we like strong men too. And, and usually there's some, some sparks that fly, not necessarily good at the same time, but, but that begins to happen. And then, and then uh, the, the conflict, whatever it is, whether it's a job or a relationship or money or, or, or family or whatever it is, that, that, that begins to be resolved. And, and this couple begins to find their hearts melting together as one as the, as the issue is resolved. But don't, 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 don't be mistaken. There's going to be another problem about 20 minutes before the end of the movie. And about 20 minutes before the end of the movie, another problem happens and it breaks the, them up until they finally realize that there was a misunderstanding somewhere, that somebody said something, didn't say something. They were, really weren't looking at this other guy, an old love interest. But really, it, 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 so they get back together at the last scene, they kiss and they live happily ever after. Yes. 
This is bubblegum entertainment. And they call it a Christmas miracle. And can I tell you, miracle of Christmas, and I love, I love Christmas miracles like those who don't have a job get a job. I love that Christmas miracle. I love a Christmas miracle where uh, the person whose heart has been broken and living such a lonely, isolated life, they find a, a, a person to live life with and, 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 and to, to, to melt their heart with as husband and wife. I love that. I love that Christmas miracle. I love the Christmas miracle of, of, of uh, uh, the, the, the town is saved. Um, I, I love the Christmas miracles of, of, of Hallmark. I love those Christmas miracles. I love them in real life. But can I tell you, a restored job, finances working out, a relationship either restored or found, those are good things and those are miracles maybe, but they're not the Christmas miracle. See, the Christmas miracle is more profound and more vibrant, more, more powerful than that. The Christmas miracle, God's answer to the prayer for rescue. I'm in a pit. I need help. Look, I don't need somebody to throw me a ladder. I need somebody to get me out of this. And that's what God has done at Christmas. He heard the cry of the psalmist in Psalm 130, and he provides the answer. In Matthew chapter 1, we hear the angel telling Joseph, uh, the, the answer, God's answer to the prayer for rescue. Listen, he said, uh, the angel said to Joseph, he said, verse 21, he said, she will bring, Mary will bring forth a son and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. And all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet Isaiah, saying, Christmas miracle, behold, the virgin shall be with child and she'll bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. You see, today we gather here and, and we, uh, like, like those who have gone before us and those who come behind us, we are in need of help. We are in need of rescue. And God has answered our cry with Christmas. Jesus being born in Bethlehem. 2,000 plus years ago wasn't just a blip on the screen, a screen of human history, but rather it was literally the life-changing, altering event where God invaded human time and space and provided rescue for all of us stuck in a pit. And I know that you need rescue. I know that you are looking for those Little Christmas miracles. Not the, not the one that will satisfy your soul, but the one that, that, that answers the pit problems or maybe even the pit name that you have. You see, I've been praying for you. Every Monday and Tuesday, I've been praying for the needs that you've expressed. And I, I beg you, please allow me the privilege of praying for you. One of the most productive things I do in my week is pray for you and the needs that you express on those blue cards. And, and so yeah, I've been praying for you and I've seen the needs that are crying from your heart. You, you're stuck in a pit. Mothers wanting restored relationships with their daughters. Fathers wanting restored relationships with their sons. Children wanting to be restored with their parents. Husbands and wives separated, fractured, fragile, needing restoration. 
Jobless, six months, some longer. Cancer, eating up a body. Dementia, and my dad or my mom. Loneliness. Yeah, out of the depths we cry. And God hears the voice of our supplication, and he has sent Jesus to rescue us. You see, Christmas means that God's rescuer has come. God's God's rescuer, Jesus, he is the answer. It's not a Hallmark movie. It's not some guy that shows up on the street corner. It's it's not some good idea that will make you feel better. It's it's not some escape uh, from real life, workaday world. Rather, it is the person, Jesus himself. The angel said, hey, listen, you're going to call his name Yeshua, a name, a title that fits his mission. For he will save, rescue his people from their sin. Jesus came to rescue us from the bondage of sin. You see, the pit that every human finds himself in is the pit of sin. And out of that pit, there is no escape. We are stuck in that pit. We are bound by the shame and the pain and the shackle of our sin. We are separated from God for all eternity. That's why Galatians 4, 4 and 5 tell us good news about Jesus who has come to rescue us. Jesus, uh, uh, Paul writes, in the fullness of time, at just the right time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, that he might rescue those who are under the law. And so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. We are in need to be part of the family of God, but our sin separates us from him. But Christmas, that blazing trail of God's love, leaving the throne room of heaven and being born in a manger in a stable, Jesus has provided forgiveness for our sin through his life, through his death on the cross in our place, and through his resurrection. Today, we can be rescued Because Jesus is God's rescuer who rescues us from sin. Yes, there is forgiveness with God that he may be feared. But but Jesus is not just the rescuer from sin for us. He is also the rescuer who keeps on rescuing us. You see the second title that the angel told Joseph in Matthew 1? He said, you'll call his name Jesus, Yeshua, for he'll save his people from their sin. And all this is fulfilled, uh, what the prophet Isaiah said, that a young lady will give birth to a son and, and you will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Do you understand that Christmas means that God is with us? Not some distant deity out there, unconcerned about our everyday life, but once we have been picked up out of sin's bondage by the rescuing love of Jesus, Jesus ties himself to us intimately, personally, and eternally. Jesus is God with us, and God is with us here and now, if indeed we're followers of Jesus. Christmas means that God is not standing off up in heaven giving us signals or suggestions about how to navigate through the pit-like troubles of our everyday life. But Christmas means that God has jumped into the pit with us. And he's taken us by the hand 
And he's committed himself to lead us through the darkness beyond the distance and out of the despair so that we might bask in the glorious rays of God's goodness and glory and live a life that is satisfying and whole. I know that you got troubles. I've got troubles. We all have troubles. You've got a pit, and maybe you've got the name for it. But as a follower of Jesus, can I tell you that God is with you? And Jesus, Jesus is not isolated from you, but he has committed himself to you. This is Christmas. This is our miracle that the God of the universe has tied himself to me. And I can live in intimacy with him so that I'm not a slave and I'm not a stranger, but I'm a son and I'm a daughter and I sit around his table and I feast on his goodness and I bask in his presence and I live for his glory. Yes, yes, we are set free and are being set free. So today I invite you to cry out to him. As a follower of Jesus, out of the depths, whatever the pit is in your life, go ahead and name it. Write it down. What is the name of your pit? Will you write down the name of that pit and then give it to Jesus? Say, Jesus, this is my pit, and it belongs to you. I'm trusting you to lead me out. Trust him. I wait on the Lord. Yes, I wait for the Lord. Even even like the the watchman is waiting through the dangers of the dark, he's watching for for the blazing sun to rise up over the horizon. And just as sure as that sun will rise, we can count on God to lead us to rescue. Will you live? With absolute trust in the God who has loved you to provide rescue for you, given him, him, given you himself so that you might live in intimacy with him. Yes, yes, we have trouble. Yes, we have struggle. Yes, the vortex of misery and pain can sweep us up and steal away from us a sense of comfort but even now even here right now don't be afraid for I bring you good tidings of great joy which will be for all people for unto you is born this day In the city of David, the rescuer, which is Christ the Lord. Would you bow your heads with me, please? I want to talk about two specific pits this morning. There's the pit for those who are not yet followers of Jesus. Maybe that's you today. You're still stuck in a pit, separated from God by your sin. You're not part of God's family, nor can you be because your sin 
blocks you from having friendship with the living God. And the disconnect, the distance, the darkness, the despair of your heart centers on that distance from God. The only answer to that distance, that darkness, and that despair is that God sends Jesus to rescue you. That Jesus, perfect and holy in every way, God himself, God made flesh. And Jesus goes to a cross and he dies there to pay the price tag that your sin demands. Fully dead, he's buried, and then three days later he is raised from the dead to give you a chance at a new life, a forgiven life. Yes, if God should mark iniquity, none of us could stand, but there is forgiveness with him so that he may be feared. Today is your day to find life, to enter into the family of God through repenting your sin and trusting in Jesus as your only hope for rescue. Some of you need to do that today. This is not a religious exercise. This is not some philosophical pursuit. This is a life-changing commitment and covenant that you make and that God makes with you. That if you will trust in Jesus and if you'll turn from your sin... And if you will ask his forgiving love to cover you forever, then God will bring you into his family because of Jesus and because of his love. And he will forgive you forever. Today, you need to come to Christ. This is your moment. This is your time. There will be no escape from a pit without coming to Jesus and finding the forgiveness of God through the death and resurrection of Jesus on your behalf. Will you choose Christ today? Will you choose him and find life? In a few moments when we worship the Lord together, if if that's who you are, if it's your heart's desire to come to Christ and find life through faith in him, I invite you to come to one of the ministers who will be here at the front. We would love to help share with you how to repent and believe on Jesus. The second pit I want to talk about is for those of us in the room who are still followers of Jesus. You're here and you have named the pit. Out of the depths, you're crying to the Lord. And today... God's answer is Jesus at Christmas. That that is his answer uh, to a job that needs to be found, to finances that need to be fixed, to marriages that need to be made whole, to uh, conflicts that need to be resolved. Whatever the pit is, understand Jesus is that answer. He is God's answer brought to us at Christmas that provides rescue. But here's what needs to happen. You need to take that piece of paper that has the name of that pit. And you need to bring it. And you need to lay it before the living God. And you need to say, Jesus, this is... (coughs) Excuse me. This is the pit. And you're here with me. And Jesus, you promised that there's no place that we'll be together that you can't get me out of. So now I'm counting on you to navigate this journey for me. I'm living for you. I'm giving myself to you. I am an offering 
unto you. But God, I, I, give this, I give this pit to you and I'm asking you to show me the way out. I'm waiting for the sun to shine. I'm waiting for the darkness to dispel, but until the darkness is completely gone, I'm hand in hand with you. Take me and lead me to victory. Jesus, you have rescued me and you are rescuing me. So some of you, you've got to, you've got to name that pit and you need to bring it and maybe even bring it to this altar like so many have done today and lay it on the steps and leave it here and say, Jesus, this is it. I, I give it to you. I'm not picking it back up. You and I, I, I'm committed to you. You're committed to me. Now I'm trusting you. Lead me to the rescue. Lord God, in these moments as we have gathered in your name, as we have given ourselves to worship and adore you, as we have committed ourselves to, to honor you and to live for you, to, 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 to fear you, to live for your honor and fame. Lord, right now I pray that you would shape the hearts of those who have gathered here. By your Spirit, would you call those who um, are not yet part of, of your family, who have not yet been forever forgiven for their sin, I pray that you would give them the courage and the faith that they need to come to you right now in repentance and faith. Give them the courage to step up and step into the aisle and come down to one of the ministers here at the front. They might discover how to become part of your family. How that you might rescue them finally and ultimately from that pit. For those who are here, your followers, we find ourselves in these little pits that, that, that seem to capture our attention and, and derail us in life. I pray that you would help us find courage to name the pit and bring him and, and that, that pit and lay it at the altar and covenant ourselves to follow after you and, and, and as you commit and covenant yourself to lead us to rescue. Now be glorified as we worship and adore you as we respond to you and help for us to commit ourselves in this moment and for the rest of this day, this week, this month, this year, our life commit ourselves to live for you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.